Welcome to Deeper Walks on the Trail podcast. You are on the trail with father-daughter duo Marcus and Stephanie Warner. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be talking with my father, Dr. Marcus Warner, as we discuss topics that help you stay on the trail to a deeper walk with God. Episode 56. Today, we are actually wrapping up our discussion about the joy elevator and the pain processing pathway. Hello, father. Hello, daughter. Yeah. Hey, you know, I should have known just from the beginning that we needed more time on this, but there have been times when I have budgeted more time and then we flew through stuff and I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, I'm really happy that we are taking the time to unpack this. I think it's really practical and helpful and great. But hey, I um, before we dive into that, I actually, I want to start with an icebreaker. Oh, okay. Okay. So icebreaker time. What is your favorite sport to go watch in person? I would say baseball. I like to, I like going to stadiums and uh, the field. I, uh, when seminary used to go down to Wrigley Field now and then and watch games, I'd say uh, probably baseball. Yeah, I snuck that icebreaker to you on our walk the other night uh-huh. and uh, you're, you were prepared, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I like, uh, I like watching sports on TV, but I do, uh, if I'm going to be there in person, that that's number one. And then number two is anything involving a suite. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, uh, my brother used to run the uh, suite for NBC at uh, a lot of sporting events in Indianapolis. So I got to go see the Colts play and, you know, eat good food and hang out with cool people. And I uh, got to see the Pacers play. And, you know, I was always at a suite. I even went to the Brickyard 400 and uh, got to hang out in the suite. So it's like, you know, if I'm in a suite, I'm good. So <laughs> Yeah, hanging out with your brother, eating good food in a nice place. Yeah. Yeah. It's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Yeah, so that right, was, right. I know my brother, so <laughs> he got me in. Awesome. Well, I'm not as much of a sports person as you, but honestly, I had a lot of friends who played soccer growing up. And I don't know if that's why, but I just, I really enjoy watching soccer. It's relaxing and I can understand things and it's fun. And, um, but I will say the times that I've gone to a baseball stadium there, it has just had a very nice atmosphere where I've, I've felt like, Hey, I could come back here and read a book or (laughs) exactly. That's what baseball's for, right? No, no. And then enjoy and be like, Whoa, that was a fun hit and stuff. But you know, in the downtime, it's just a nice atmosphere. So Makes sense. Makes sense. It took me so many years to figure out the rules of soccer. I I, I was slower to get into it, but Mm. it's all good now. It's fun. All right. Well, hey, next week is our one year anniversary episode where we will be sharing some of your questions and testimonies our dear listeners. Um, and there is still time to squeak in with your submissions. If you're one of those people who listens as soon as the episode drops, huzzah for you. And I need those from you by the 18th to make sure that we have a chance at getting your question or testimony featured on the episode. But please, hey, anytime you have a question or testimony, feel free to let me know. Um, if it doesn't make the, the one year anniversary, it might come up in another episode. And I always love hearing from you. So If you want to submit a question or testimony, I've created a Google form that you can find in my Monday emails if you're a Deeper Walk email subscriber. And also, I'll have it linked on Instagram and Facebook for a time. Thank you so much. All right, Father, today is the day. We are actually finishing this topic. (laughs) So, level five. Give us the elevator pitch, no pun intended, um, <laughs> Yes, for level five. So level five basically means we've moved from the right side of our brain to the left side of our brain. And this is the part 
uh, my brain that uh, does and is non-relational and because it is focused on problem solving. So I'm analytical, logical, I'm putting words to things and uh, so on. So I have a, uh, on the left side of my brain is where I have narratives, is where I have beliefs, and it's where we have a uh, thing uh, called the VLE. That that's kind of a uh, just a term that Dr. Lehman invented. But the uh, it's this idea that my brain wants to give a logical explanation to whatever it is that I'm going through. So that's where we're on that side of the brain now. That's level five. Okay, so VLE, verbal logical explainer. Yep. Very good. All right. So. Um, when we are feeling stuck at this level, what does it feel like? Well, when I'm stuck at this level, uh, it can feel all kinds of ways because I can it can generate uh, a wide range of emotions, right? So um, different beliefs tend to trigger specific emotions. So if I'm feeling like something's impossible, I'll feel depressed. If I'm feeling like something like is unjust, then I'll be angry if I'm feeling like something is, uh, you know, scary. I'm going to be uh, anxious if I, my mind is full of what if thoughts. What if this happens? What if that happens? You know, I'm going to be full of, uh, um, yeah, full, full of anxiety as I think about that. So uh, it's it's hard to say when I'm stuck in this side of my brain what it feels like mm-hmm. because it can be almost any emotion. The intervention is accurate information or a new perspective. Right. Right. Yeah. So what happens with beliefs is that uh, my dad used to say, you know, people don't always practice what they say they believe, but they always practice what they really believe. And what he meant by this was, um, for example, my beliefs about God. I can believe that God is good, that God loves me, that God has a plan, that he's got everything under control. But there can be a part in my heart where I'm wounded that has a different belief system. And that wounded part in my heart can believe that God's actually cruel or God is, you know, untrustworthy and you certainly can't rely on him. And uh, what does it mean to trust God anyway? And so what happens then is when that gets triggered, I become double-minded in the sense that I I have two competing belief systems going in my head. When I have two competing belief systems uh, going on in my thinking and I'm battling back and forth, that's exhausting, right? It makes me emotionally unstable. I can ping-pong back and forth between multiple emotions. I can go from anger to sadness to despair to shame, you know, maybe get a little bit of joy in there and then go right back into some other things because I'm ping-ponging all the way around because my beliefs aren't stable. My beliefs are are, are, are uh, sometimes um, clear and sometimes not. I sometimes think it's, it's, it's easier sometimes for a an atheist who is single-minded about something to have a greater sense of peace than a Christian who is double-minded about something. And so if you, uh, if somebody is all in on what they believe, they're going to tend to have a, a, for want of better words, a more stable kind of approach that they're because they're single-minded. Whereas some of us, well, our problem is that we flip back and forth between, um, our perspective on things, they can be radically different all. And there's this war going on inside, and that's what makes it so hard. 
you you got very deep and philosophical very quickly, I very and deep. I appreciate yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. I love I love the epicness and the going the going deep. I will tell you where my brain was at when okay. I initially asked the question, <laughs> sure. which I'm very glad you answered that because I think that was also great. Like if you're on a walk and you think, oh, the end of this walk is you know, really far away and I just want it to be done and you start having emotions like, and then you find out, oh, actually it's right there. And um, just having your, you know, new information or your perspective shift um, calms all of that. Like that was the only level you were stuck at. You weren't thinking, oh, I'm so alone as I'm walking on this or you're, you know, you're, if you're just thinking, oh, it's that far. And then you find out it's not that far or something like that. That would just be a really simple version of yeah no it can be very simple so Mm -hmm. you know uh, one of the biggest meltdowns i ever had okay all right was uh (laughs) in high school i was um on the baseball team and we had a night game on the saturday before easter so uh the next morning is uh easter sunrise service i'm supposed to sing in a you know, some and a group at the at the church for the Sunday morning service. We are out of town for this game, about two hours from town. And but it was going to be one game, done, go home. And so we played from seven to nine. And all of a sudden the coach announces, we're going to make this a double header. Right. We're playing till midnight. And I and I'm not going to get home till three in the morning and have to turn right around. And I was like, I was mad. I mean, I was like, I was angry, and to make it worse, the last play of the first game, I had totally messed something up, and the coach had yelled at me, and he was uh, just, you know, he made a bad problem bigger, and I was just already at the edge of my capacity, and I just lost it. It's like, no, it's like, you know, and how do you tell somebody, (laughs) I have to sing in a choir at church tomorrow. I can't be playing, you know. That's not, it was really awkward. I was trying to figure out, I, but I, I just, uh, I remember thinking that, but believing like that I was trapped, that there was no way out of this, that I, that, you know, this was unfair, that they should have announced it and all these. And that was one of the things I just remember completely losing it. I was like, I, <laughs> I was over the corner literally sobbing by the time we were done because I'm like, I cannot. And, and because I ended up saying things to the coach that uh, um, I, I got so mad I quit. Mm-hmm. And it was just really bizarre because it was all over Easter and needing to be at church in the morning. And I realized it had to be something else going on. But in the moment, those were the the thoughts running through my head were all about this is not fair. This is not right. This is, you know shouldn't be doing this to me. So but, did you uh, get a perspective change or was there a so different level that got What uh yeah, after after a good cry because <laughs> I after quitting and like all shook up, I went back, I apologized and I told him I said, "Look, I'm just overwhelmed by the whole thing and it got too much. I overreacted, you know, I'm sorry." So he let me back on the team, but then he benched me for a few games. Oh. And so what ended up and and really, it was kind of interesting because God uses all things together for good. Honestly, I was on pace to be all conference that year, and I might have gotten scholarship offer someplace. Who knows what else, how that might have changed my life? But by getting benched, I basically <laughs> still made second team all conference that year. But uh, I missed six games and probably missed my chance at college baseball. But it was a uh, 
Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of meltdown around that, but so some of that was attachments, but a lot of it was also just the things I was believing were driving my emotions. And I, I didn't have the emotional capacity to develop to handle that well. So realize now I, if I had taken a breather, taken a deep breath, gone off, collected myself first and not tried to hand, you know, my problem was I didn't have any of these skills to know how to do it. And I tried to handle it all right in the moment and just, you know, vented everything I was feeling. So there you go. That's my cathars my cathartic <laughs> story for the day. But uh Oh, I'm sure people can relate. So the narrative engine um on the left side of the brain, it is separate from the joy center. Um could you explain how the pathway of going from right to left and how our beliefs and our pain interact with each other based off of that flow? Yeah. So what will happen is that my beliefs can affect uh, uh, my ability to be happy, right? And my ability to have joy. So uh, what will happen is it'll it'll trigger things in a different part of my, my brain. But what happens, for example, is in anticipating to be with somebody, right? I can get very excited and very happy about something that never happens. But it is so I can have the belief that I am going to see this person and it's going to be this way and this is all going to be amazing and have real joy uh, based on that belief. But the reason that that belief is creating joy is that I already have attachment with that person. In other words, if if it was somebody I didn't have an attachment with, it wouldn't uh, have the same kind of impact. So, uh, but my beliefs have a a lot to do with whether I'm happy or not, because if I am... Uh, thinking to myself, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be awful. You know, I'm going to go see this person. They don't really want to see me. And, uh, you know, I don't know why I'm wasting my time. There's all kinds of a lot of things I can tell myself that just suck the joy out of things that otherwise would would be fun. And so learning to recognize common patterns that I have (laughs) that suck the joy out of, out of things so that I can put a stop to that and say, no, wait a second. I recognize this pattern. I don't want to go down that that thought trail again, what should I be putting my thoughts on instead? How do I replace my beliefs with something else? Um, That's really uh, a key part of what we're talking about here because we just sabotage so much of our joy by getting into these uh, mental holes that we fall into and where everything that we're telling ourselves is just reinforcing uh, negative emotions. So all of this emphasis on attachment is not to negate the idea that beliefs don't have a very powerful role in driving the way that we feel. It's to say that there is something else going on too that tends to get overlooked. So we spend a lot of time over there on the attachment, but the beliefs really, um, uh, you know, if you can get your beliefs changed, an awful lot of, of your emotions will will resolve. So whatever is good and true and noble. Yeah, whatever is good and true and noble and right, whatever is lovely, you know, think on these things. Um, even praising God and focusing on what's good and wonderful about God. The uh, getting my mind in uh, in in a good good space makes a big difference. You know, I talk about athletics. You know, I was um, one of the things I was a pitcher uh, for a while in little league, and my dad taught me to picture myself doing everything perfect before I threw the ball. So when I would stand on, uh, on the pitching mound and I would look in there, I would, I knew exactly what 
whether it's fastball, changeup, curveball, exactly where it was going to go. I could picture the the catcher was going. Is this going to be high right, inside left? You know, what's you know, where's this? Everything about it, I knew exactly what it was. So he was like, get it completely sure. So you're not guessing. You're not just throwing it up there and hoping for the best. You know exactly what you're trying to do. He said, just take like one to two seconds before you throw the ball and picture it perfectly. So what I found was that the better I got at that, just the more confident I was. And so getting your beliefs, right, getting your beliefs uh, clear, trusting that, and then can really help your performance. So in a lot of performance things, getting your beliefs right clears your head so that what you have done on the right engine side about building habits and building skills, whether it can just flow. And that's why sometimes we got to get out of the way. It's like, um, especially when we're talking about performance things, whether it's art or music or sports or something like that, if I am, uh, if I'm thinking about what I'm doing, I can't do it properly. I've got to get that part of my brain out of the way and just enjoy what I'm doing. And it may that was so, a word from the Lord to you <laughs> at one point too. It was. Well, even when I preach, I remember the first time I was going to preach in front of about 2000 people. And it was like the biggest crowd at that time I'd ever spoken to. And I was getting nervous and I was uh, praying about it. And what I felt like God said was just enjoy this. And I've, I've learned ever since then that if I enjoy it, it, chances are other people are going to enjoy it. If I'm thinking about it, then it's probably not going to go well. <laughs> right. Yes. That that will literally preach. Yeah, literally <laughs> preach. <laughs> All right. So uh, I am going to zoom us out to the whole pathway again, but is there anything specifically on level five you want to make sure you cover before we do that? Well, I will say, you know, Neil Anderson helped with helped me understand the uh this not directly, it wasn't a one-on-one conversation, but his books. And, and that is that he he wrote in, I don't remember now of his victory over the darkness or bondage breaker, but specifically this idea that um when I am de- depressed, it's usually because I believe something is impossible that I feel is crucial to my happiness. So relationally, if I fall in love with somebody and I, they don't love me back and this feels impossible, then that's going to make me depressed because I am convinced that only this person can make me happy and this is now impossible. Or if I think I can only be happy if I get out of debt and it's just going to be impossible to get out of this debt load anytime soon, maybe I feel like it's impossible or ever going to get out of this, then then things that are impossible that I believe to be impossible tend to create despair. The uh, things that uh, <clears throat> that I think are are un- are uncertain or they are what I would say things I can imagine being catastrophic. Like what if this happens? What if they hate me? What if this is terrible? What if people you know are are mean to me? What if I feel pain? You know, all of the what ifs of life they create anxiety, and then. When I want something and something or someone gets in the way, I get angry. And the wording that he used was it's blocking your goal. And that makes a lot of sense. That's why what happens with road rage, right? Someone has blocked my goal. I was just cruising along fine. And all of a sudden they cut in and they literally blocked me, you know, from doing what I wanted to do. And so what I look at is that makes me angry. And now that I am angry, I've got to 
I've got to go to all of the things on the right side of my brain that I have learned for how do I act like myself when I'm angry so that I don't turn into a road trade idiot. <laughs> but it is a uh, – um, uh, sometimes it, it, it helps actually escalate it a little bit in my thinking before I bring it back down. Uh, uh, so all of those things. So I, it was helpful to me to think about these big three specifically, and, and that is despair, anger, and, uh, and, and anxiety are all anchored really in, in things that we believe. Mm-hmm. In your imagination, it's powerful stuff. I, I think sometimes about um, just sacred imagination and how I, sometimes when people are afraid of, you know, dwell a lot on the, the anxiety side of imagination and where that's bad, like it almost counters to just not using your imagination and Anyway, that's probably a different. Now, God gave us an imagination for a reason. I mean, you think about it: how much of the world is unseen to us? And so, based on what we know, we have to use our imagination for an awful lot of things. And the average person throughout history didn't travel more than thirty miles from where they were born their whole lives. And so, how much of what was out there was imagination? Hmm. And so, it it is that. Um, God wants us to use our imagination. He wants us to engage with that. Um, what the Bible does is it gives us parameter, it gives us a foundation and parameters for our thought life. The foundation is the worldview, and then the parameters are the you know very specific things that it says are true, principles that are true. And so that gives us the foundation parameters, but within that, God likes, you know, imagination is a gift God gave us. Huzzah! As someone who has just come from a writer's conference this weekend, um, I hear here to that. So let's zoom back out to the pain processing pathway as a whole. Can you put all these steps together for us, maybe with a story? Um, maybe, I don't know if it's easier for you to tell a story of, of uh, pain of, a, of an elevator that is functioning properly or or where it gets stuck along the way, but if you could... Tell us a story. Yeah. So what happens with uh, when I'm stuck because of something I'm believing, if if a person can just tell me, you know, what what I need to be believing instead, it can help. So biblical counseling really focuses a lot on the belief part of this. And then it moved from belief to making choices and accountability on those choices. And all that stuff can work if that's where I'm stuck. But the deeper my stuckness is, uh, the less helpful that is. So let me put it this way. I've had emotions that – there are emotions that can make me feel like I'm 15. There's emotions that can make me feel like I'm 10. There's things that can happen to me make me feel like I'm 7. There's things that can happen to make me feel like I'm 3, mm -hmm. right? So kind of part of this depends on how deeply am I getting triggered here and how – far down in the system am I am I going? Because the younger I feel, uh, the less anything is going to help except like sit with me, soothe, right? Stay with me and help me soothe because until that happens, we aren't going to get anywhere else. So I remember uh, being in great uh, just battling anxiety. I'd had a panic attack. I was trying to recover from this attack. I was trying to talk to somebody about it. I remember the first person uh, I talked to was like, well, fear is a sin. Uh. <laughs> so, you know, you should just stop it. 
Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. So there was there was their narrative reaction, and uh, whether they were right or not, it wasn't going to help. Um, and then I had, uh, um, but there was somebody else who came, and they sat with me, and they uh, connected with me. And I found that just being in a place where I could be relational with people um, was soothing. And and it began to uh, to relax. I had another time when I was experiencing a significant amount of depression because of uh, somebody broken up with me in, you know, in seminary. And I, I met a guy who had almost exactly the same story, only his was worse, <laughs> right? It's like his uh, fiance had left him at the altar. I mean, he had... and. Uh, just everything that I was going through, he had gone through only worse, but here he was when I was, I'm talking to him, he was married. He had four kids. He was, you know, happy. He was in seminary. He's letting me know. He says, look, God, God's got this. You're going to be okay. So a setting like that, he was with me. We built some joy together and then we, uh, we got to the story and then we got to the narrative and he helped me to shift my narrative and my way of thinking about that. And so what happens then is that Satan then counterattacks and says, are you sure you want to believe that narrative? Are you sure that's the truth? And so I find myself in this battle for my mind. And that is God just sent somebody who was able to sit down with me, identify completely with what I was going through and tell me, you know, how his story ended all right. And now the enemy's saying, yeah, but that doesn't mean your story is going to be all right. And so now you're in this battle for your mind. Which one are you going to hold on to? And there does come a point where you just have to say to the enemy, get out of here right now and take your thoughts with you and leave. And I am going to choose to trust, you know, God and, and, put my, uh, my, my faith in him and my emotions will eventually follow if I uh, do that consistently. <laughs> yes. Uh, have you, have you seen any solutions quote unquote that people will often try that don't work either because they're targeting the wrong level of the brain function or because it's just it flat out, flat out doesn't work, you know, like telling well, somebody who's experiencing fear that it's a sin. Yeah. So the classic, you know, classically is people try to argue you into feeling better like, oh, well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that, and this is true and that's true. And they're addressing everything at the belief level of if you just get your belief straight and here it is. And they get to the point where they're actually arguing with you about it. And they get mad at you that you aren't believing the truth because this truth will set you free. It's just like I'm free. And I'm like, well, you're not really free right now. So it's a, uh, there's a, I, uh, that's the first one that pops into my mind. It's like people get so fixated on, the truth will set you free. So here's the truth. And why won't you just embrace the truth that they end up getting frustrated with you and angry with you? And are they, you know, like, I'll skip it. This is never going to work. And they quit on you because they only, they're, they're only focused on the narrative and they don't see all the other elements that go into this. So yeah, that's probably the most common one. All right. Well, we are at the um, end of the episode here. So, I'm just going to remind everybody that, hey, next week, join us for our one-year anniversary. And if you want to just squeak in some questions for that, there is still a little bit of time. Or you can email me anytime. Um, and uh, if, you're a, if you're a Deeper Walk email subscriber, you'll get my Monday emails. And uh, you can respond to those if you want. I love hearing from you. And... Yeah, there's a Google form that's going to be in in the Monday emails, and then I'll also have it in the Deeper Walks uh, 
Instagram and Facebook that you can fill out and give us your testimonies, your questions. Really excited to hear from you and to celebrate on the 24th. So, Father, any closing thoughts for this whole pain processing pathway series? Well, you know, one of the things that uh, as I think about all of this is like there's a reason why I, I just turned in a manuscript to, to Moody called uh, Breakthrough. And, yeah. And uh, this manuscript, uh, it, we're still in the editing phases of it, but it, it, it's it's meant to get at this idea that there are multiple sources, multiple engines, if you will, that drive the way that we feel. And so we don't want to be overly simplistic, either in uh, this one strategy will always make you feel better or uh, this one and dealing with this one engine will always fix everything or even overly simplistic. And this one strategy always fixes this engine. So we do need to have an understanding of how all these things fit together, especially when we're dealing with, uh, you know, big battles that don't always have easy solutions. It, it can be helpful to understand why it's big and why there's so much going on and uh, why we might need to interact with more than just one person to get through whatever it is that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I love talking to you all the time, my father. And hey, I am so glad that you all join us. Thank you for joining us on the trail today. Deeper Walk exists to make heart-focused discipleship the norm for Christians everywhere. If you'd like to support this cause, you can become a Deeper Walk trailblazer with your monthly donation of $25 or more. And if you want to keep going deeper with us on your walk with God, please subscribe to the On the Trail podcast, leave a review and share with your friends. Thanks again. We'll see you back next week.